0: been a while, but um, there's been a lot going on. And as promised, I wanted to um, touch base on the um, topic of anxiety and depression and the scars that that causes, as well as um, scars from emotional and verbal abuse. So today I have my very good friend, (laughs) Samantha Van Riper um, to talk. Hi, Sammy. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Oh, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for kicking this off. Um, I've been wanting to do it for a while, and it's just been crazy. Everyone's been crazy. So, um, so I guess what I what I want to talk about is the fact that so many people suffer from anxiety and. Mm-hmm depression, and don't even realize it. Um, I I don't even know. I think I realized it in 2017 what I was dealing with. um, And I had no idea what it was. And I remember you had worked with Paul, and he used to tell me that you um, dealt with anxiety. And I remember saying, what the heck? She's 18 years old. What what does she have anxiety about? Because I really did not understand that it was something that you just could not control and it just happened. So Mm -hmm. um, I was wondering if you could, you know, tell a little bit of your story when you first realized that, you know, you were dealing with anxiety and some of the symptoms.
1: Sure. So I think it was around 2009 or 2010. I was working at the courtyard um, at that time. I was at the front desk doing sh- like seven to three shifts. I'd be home by like 3:30, 4 o'clock the latest. And I would take Advil PM to go to sleep. And I would not wake up until the next morning when my alarm clock went off for my next shift. And I think that was my way of just kind of turning my mind off and not having to deal with anything that was going through my head, like mentally. Um, and I started taking so much Advil PM to the point where I started hallucinating. And I remember being at the front desk and I was just envisioning crazy things. And I called my dad hysterically crying. I don't even know if he remembers this, but I called him crying and I said, I, I, I need help. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm feeling all these crazy emotions. I'm coming home from work and basically putting myself to sleep, not waking up till the next morning. And my dad agreed that I needed help. And he set me up with a doctor. And that's when I was kind of unofficially diagnosed with anxiety. um, And I started medication.
0: So what things were going on in your head that you were trying to turn off or shut down with the Advil? Uh, Gosh, everything like
1: um, overthinking, panicking. I was crying over pretty much nothing. I was depressed. I was just no matter what I did to try and make myself happy, it was never enough. Um, and I just, just every emotion
0: possible with anxiety, everything, shaking, um, the panic attacks, everything. Okay. Um, and I remember when you and I worked together at first in White Plains and, um, there would be days that you would be fine. And then, and I Mm -hmm. still had not even at this point realized that I had anxiety because I didn't know what the hell it was, but I remember, um, days where you would just start panicking and, um, Mm -hmm. and I'm not saying this to be funny, but do you remember when the, um, was it the bird flu or whatever? Oh my God. yes. So I think swine flu, Swine flu. Yeah. And you, um, you instantly f- were saying, Oh my God, I think I have it. I think I have the swine flu. And you like literally were panicking. And I remember so many times I would bring you in the back and I would brush your hair and <laughs> braid your hair and calm you down and, yep. um, at least try to calm you down. And I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Cause I didn't know what I was dealing with, with you, but it, it always seemed to work. And I know I would always grab you something to drink like soda or juice mm-hmm. because your heart would be racing. And I was like, Oh my God, what is, what is, what is wrong with this kid? Like I, <laughs> I was so worried. I, I didn't know what was going on. And, um, and it happened, it happened a lot at work. So, so let me ask you this. That was, we started, uh, what was that? 2014,
1: 2013.
0: So, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that was, let me think about this. Yeah, that was, that was 2013, I, I believe. So how did that impact or did that affect work at all for you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think work is the hardest when dealing
1: with anxiety, um, and it still is to this day. Um, I, there are times like I can't even function. Like, you know, my anxiety when it comes to talking to like corporate people Like it's debilitating. Um, There are times that I knew that I had a meeting to go to or I was meeting with my boss and I just, I was going to pull out of work because I I mentally could not handle it. It, It's, it's, it's so hard when it comes to work. That's probably the hardest. No, not, not so much you. It's (laughs) more the corporate level, not people like inside the hotel, people that would come and visit even
0: from Elmsford to Nanuet to Mawa carried on still to this day. I still struggle with it. and you always said that you had, um, some form of social anxiety. Oh yes, absolutely. So can you talk about that a little bit?
1: So I'm not officially diagnosed with it. I kind of diagnosed myself, but ever since I was little, um, being with a group of people is extremely hard for me, especially when I don't know them. I don't know what to talk about. I don't know how to start a conversation. I don't know how to keep it going, um, and my friends think it's crazy. They're like, you're so outgoing, but that's when I'm comfortable around someone. But getting to that point, I, I hit like a roadblock in my
0: head. I don't know how to move forward. It, it's I, it's hard to explain, but. Yeah. Okay. Well, even at work, you know, in the hospitality industry, I, I used to think you were, pardon the expression, crazy to think that you had social anxiety because you were so great with all of our guests. And mm-hmm. you had no problem being at the front desk and talking to everybody that walked mm-hmm. in the door. And then, and then you would you would be like, I, I suffer from social anxiety. I'm like, what are you talking about? You were just I like
1: thrived at the front desk, which I don't understand. Like mm-hmm. I'm with you, you're with strangers every day and you have to carry on a conversation and make them feel at home. And I had no issues with that, but like outside of work, like you know, you've taken me to Jewelry Mm -hmm. parties and stuff like that. And it is, it's so, it's probably worse than regular anxiety. Okay. Social anxiety. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay. So you, when you went to the doctor, you went, was it a psychiatrist that your dad? So I went to a
1: regular, you know, regular doctor. Um, I told her how I was feeling. And I talk about the Advil PM situation because I don't know when my anxiety started. I think that's just when I realized I had a problem and I needed to get help. Um, but yeah, I went to a regular doctor. Uh, she said it was definitely a form of anxiety. She gave me medication. Um, and then she wanted me to speak to a therapist, which I did. But at that time therapy just was not for me. Um, I only did, I think one or two sessions and I, I haven't done therapy since now. I just go
0: to a psychiatrist. Okay. I tried the therapy session too before, because I, I avoided going to a psychiatrist. There was this um, I guess perception in my head, Oh my God, I'm not going to see a psychiatrist. I don't want everyone to think I'm crazy. Um, Mm -hmm. but you kind of convinced me to go to find out what was going on. Um, and I did try therapy and it was, it was okay, but it didn't, it didn't stop any of the anxiety that I was having because Mm -hmm. then I was talking about it more. Right. and, And, And it was just like always there. It was, Mm -hmm. it was crazy. So, so what are some of the symptoms that you experience when you are having an anxiety attack or a panic attack? Um, besides the obvious like crying, um, Mm
1: -hmm. and how do you know when one's coming on? I zone out. And DJ has pointed that out a lot lately, like we'll be having dinner. And if I'm feeling like anxious and thinking about something and like the anxiety starts creeping in, I completely zone out. I'm like, look past him or look to the side and I'm just like in a blank stare and he's like, snap out of it, snap out of it, come back to reality. Um, So zoning out has definitely been huge lately. Um, uh, Playing with my hands, picking at my nails, um, the crying, Just feeling myself like shaking inside.
0: Okay. I know um, there are times with me that um, I would be at work and all of a sudden I would, I would look, if I would look down, I would feel a little dizzy. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I felt like everything was, I was just completely dizzy. I felt like everything around me was like getting dark. And it was like, I always thought I was going to pass out. Mm
1: -hmm. And I remember
0: My heart would start to race and then all of these things would go through my mind and I would go in the office with you and we'd sit on the floor (laughs) and, and we would try to, you know, convince each other that it was okay and it's just a panic attack and, but oh my God, it, it was, it sucks. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. And it's exhausting too, like after having a panic attack or an anxiety attack, when you like come back to reality and you're like, I'm okay. I'm okay. Like I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I could take a nap. Like it really wipes me out.
0: Yeah. Well, (laughs) it's, I mean, your heart is racing. Your Mm -hmm. mind is spinning in a million different directions and you feel like you can't breathe sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like yeah, it it literally, um, you know, presents almost like you're having a heart attack, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and it's like a
1: cloud that just like comes slowly towards you. And then you're underneath that cloud for like a certain period of time. And then it's just like when it's done, it's like the sun is out and everything's, but it's just when you're under that cloud, it's, it's like suffocating.
0: Yeah. And you know, it's com- like, you can, there's triggers, you know, when it's coming. And like you mm-hmm. said, you, you zone out. And mm-hmm. for me, I think when I know it's coming, I get very quiet. I don't know if I right. zone out, yeah. but I get quiet because I'm like, Oh God, here it comes. Mm-hmm. Here it comes. Yep. Um, so with your anxiety, what were some things that, um, it prevented you from doing?
1: Um, so I would make plans with my friends and then, and I still do sometimes to this day, it's a horrible, I guess, trait or quality of mine, but I'll make plans. And then when the time comes, I, I can't do it. Like it, it. I I don't know what it is. I get myself so excited and then the time comes, the day comes and I'm just like, I can't, like, I can't get out of bed. I can't leave the house. Um, leaving the house is the hardest. So okay. I've, I feel like I've missed out on stuff because of my anxiety and especially my social anxiety. Are you afraid to leave the house? Um, yes and no. There are some days where I like, I want to jump out the window and leave the house because I just mm-hmm. need to get out. But yeah, there there are days where even just getting out of bed is the hardest. Okay. Mm-hmm. So
0: um is that part of um cuz with you is it part of anxiety and depression?
1: Yeah, our... I'd say
0: well, a little bit of everything, everything. Okay. And
1: I have, you know, the bipolar disorder too and I think it's a part of that as well. Okay. So Okay.
0: Um I know for me when when I really knew I had an issue was when um, Marissa was little, she was like three, three or four. And um, Paul would be at work or he'd have to go on a business trip or he'd be stuck in the city. And he would call me and he would say, Hey, hon, um, I'm stuck, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to be home till about eight o'clock. And I instantly went into panic mode. Oh my God. What if something happens to me? I remember like, that. I remember right? I, was, I would freak out. I, mm-hmm. I was like, what if something happens to me? What is Marissa gonna do? She's only three years old or she's only four years old. And um I would call my mother-in-law. I remember calling her and she'd be like, Well, why are you thinking that? And I was like, <laughs> it's I can't help it. But uh, I, I found talking to her um would some sometimes kind of calm me down until it mm-hmm. passed. Yes. And then I would be okay. But I would be in the car, even just going to the nail place with if Marissa was in the car with me, I would feel like that wave of blackness would come over and almost like, Mm. Oh my God, am I going to, am I going to pass out? Am I going to pass out? I'm driving. What's going to happen with my, with my kid in the car. And I would always make sure I had like water and I would do everything possible to try to not pass out. And it's, it is scary. Garrett, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. to the point where I didn't want to put her in the car. I didn't want to do anything with yeah.
1: her. It affects like your day to day life: driving, food shopping, anything,
0: everything. Mm-hmm. So, how has um, how has this pandemic impacted your anxiety? Um, I feel like it's kind of impacted me in a positive way. Like, don't
1: get me wrong; it was a horrible year, and I went through some crazy yeah. crap. Um, but I am an introvert and I, I am a homebody. So being home, I've enjoyed, and I feel like I've like gotten to know myself better. Um, I've read more, I've listened to music more. Um, you know, I adopted a dog. Um, I spent more time with DJ, more time with my animals. And I don't know, I just, I was content being home. Like, I, I know a lot of people struggled being home. They wanted to be out and being stuck inside. It made their anxiety worse. But for me, I feel like I, I was very content. With well, And you didn't have to face anything. Like you didn't. Exactly. I didn't have to. Didn't there have was no to. no social gatherings allowed. So that right. I was I was fine. I was happy.
0: But like I said,
1: I, I picked up reading more um, and I listened to music and I love playing video games. That gets my mind off of things. So I feel like I kind of discovered a few hobbies that keep me busy. So if I do feel some type of anxiety, I just, I distract myself. That's the best thing to do, honestly.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. So um, I know 2020 20 was a crazy year. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to touch on some of the things that affected you? There there were two major situations. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so
1: in March, I got furloughed. Um, And at the same exact time, I got COVID. So that was hard. And that's when COVID was new. um, And we didn't know much about it. And of course, I was like one of the first people in my family to get it, me and my uncle. Um, So that was really hard. And not being able to see my parents was hard as well. Um, Luckily, they're right down the road and they dropped off food at the door for me. My mom was a phone call away at all times, my dad as well. Um, So that was definitely hard. And then my grandmother was, when I went back to work the end of May, I think within two days, my grandmother was admitted into the hospital in Florida. Um, and the next few months with her were just a challenge. And then in August, she passed away, which was by far one of the hardest things I've ever gone through. I know. So, I know.
0: yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and how about, and we'll, we'll touch back on your grandmother, but... What about, um, what happened with DJ's friend? Yeah, that was another thing too. Um, so his best friend
1: passed away in March. Um, and that was kind of like a traumatizing experience, especially for DJ because he was supposed to come over, um, and he didn't show up and he didn't call DJ or text him. And Shane was one to always lose his phone or break his phone. So we didn't really think much of it. Um, he was a hard worker, always working doubles and back to back. So we're like, he's probably working. I think he was working at an airport at the time. So we're like, he's probably working some type of crazy shift. His phone is dead. Um, but then as days went on, we're like, okay, something's wrong. Like, where is he? Um, he was from Ireland. So we're like, maybe he went to go back. He went back to Ireland for a, few, um, a little while. Well, because he's done he, that a couple of times. Yeah, he's, done, right? he's, okay. he's known for that. Yeah. just get on a plane and be like, I'll be back. Um, and then unfortunately DJ's friend, um, went to the house and I think the cops came or I forget what exactly happened. And they found Shane inside and he had passed away. And that's why we couldn't get in touch with him. So that was more so for DJ, a traumatizing experience. That was his best friend, his brother. Um, and it was just all around hard. It was, it was really hard.
0: And they, they determined it was from COVID, right?
1: No, um, right. I, I believe it was an enlarged heart. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. So. Okay. But it was around so, the same time as COVID, so you know we right. couldn't say a proper goodbye, right. and that made it part as well. So can you can you explain that a little? I know it's hard, um, but. So
1: we were able to have um, services at a church, but only I think like four or five of us were allowed inside. So it was me, DJ, Shane's sister. um, And I believe his friend, can't really remember. It's like such a blur. It was such a hard time. Um, And then we went outside and more people came because it was outside. um, And then the hearse came and he was in a body bag and that's how we said our goodbyes. And the hearse drove off and that was the last time you know, when you see Shane and, you know, but.
0: Yeah. God. Yeah. That's, that's tough. And I, Mm -hmm. I know I did mention that um, in one of the previous episodes, because when, when my mother-in-law passed away, at at least, you know, we got to, you know, see her and uh, unfortunately got to see her, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it was so, it was, that was almost a year Right? Almost a That's year That's crazy. Ago. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it was almost a year ago. So so COVID had come like it really hit hard in March and she passed mm-hmm. away by June, the end of June. Mm-hmm. So um absolutely crazy, but so I know how tough that is. Um mm-hmm. so when when your grandma passed, mm-hmm. did that um affect you in terms of your anxiety? Um
1: And I feel like I have new fears that were like unlocked when my grandfather passed, grandmother
0: passed away. Um, All right. So hold on. Let's go back (laughs) to your grandfather because only because um, I remember when that happened and how Mm -hmm. devastated you were. Mm -hmm. So can you elaborate on that a little?
1: Yeah. So he um, was in the veterans home. He had gone through hell and back. Um, the past few years before he passed away, he was a double amputee. He had a quadruple heart bypass surgery. He had a brain aneurysm years ago, a stroke. He was paralyzed on one side of his body. Um, so at that point he was in the veterans home in Paramus and, you know, he was a double amputee and he, gosh, it's so hard. Oh God. Um. I was going to Bergen Community College at the time and I would stop by and have lunch with him. I would sit in the library with him. I remember one time he got his hair cut and I sat with him. And then as I got older, life got in the way. I was busy with work, trying to maintain my friendships and other stuff. And I didn't visit him as much as I used to. Like I went from visiting him probably three to four times a week to visiting him maybe one or two times a month. Um, And then he passed away kind of unexpectedly Although after everything he's been through, it kind of was like, it was expected, but at the same time, not expected.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and yeah, that was, that was really hard for me.
0: And that lasted like that. I don't want to say lasted, but you carried that with you for years. Guilt. I I can't. Yeah. I still do. I still do to this day. It's still really hard. And I, and I know that that was really difficult You because know, mm-hmm. we used to talk about it all the time. And so then, so now, like you just said, when your grandma passed away, it kind of brought you back to what happened with your grandfather. So let's just touch base a little more on, on your grandmother. So she was a snowbird.
1: She went back and forth between, um, New Jersey and Florida. And in May, she went down to Florida and but, so the hardest thing was, is COVID happened. Her birthday was in March. And I I'm, I think that was the last time I saw her was for her birthday because then I ended up getting COVID. And that was the last person that I was going to go near and jeopardize getting sick. Even when I was feeling better, I didn't want to go near her because I didn't want to get her sick because she was older. She had underlying health issues. I didn't want DJ going near her because he's working in healthcare. Um, So she went back to Florida in May, she was hospitalized. um, And things started like organ, she had issues with some of her organs, I think it was her kidneys. Um, And our whole goal was to get her back to New Jersey, obviously, so that we could see her and be there for her. Um, And my mom and my aunt had gotten an ambulance to basically take her from Florida back to New Jersey. And halfway through, I think in North Carolina, Carolina, it was, um, she was in the ambulance and she had a hard time breathing. So they had to take her to the nearest hospital and she never made it out alive out of that hospital. She was in there for a while. She was in ICU. um, And then eventually she went into cardiac arrest and didn't wake up.
0: I'm gonna start crying. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know. Hi. I know. I know how hard it is because she passed away. Um, very close to the time my mother-in-law passed away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we were like back and forth with, Oh my God, I can't even, can't even believe. Um, and for me, it was very similar too. we didn't want to, I was working in hotels. Paul's hotel was, uh, turned into, um, uh, Whatever you call it, housing for COVID patients, and we mm-hmm. didn't want to jeopardize my mother-in-law. We didn't want to put her at risk, and and it sucks because we didn't get to spend the time that we would normally spend with her before she passed. And I think that's one of the hardest things. Mm-hmm. Um, but you said that it unlocked fears that you didn't know about. So what? Kind yeah. Of fears? So
1: obviously, losing her was one of the hardest deaths besides my pop-up, the hardest that I've been through. Um, And I think it made me realize that I'm going to go through even harder um, deaths. You know, my Mm -hmm. parents are my absolute best friends. They're my rocks. Um, And the fact that, like, years, hopefully it's years and years and years from now, I'm going to have to go through this again, and it's going to be 10 times worse. Like, it's it's all I can think about now. Like, it's just it's scary.
0: Okay. So I'll tell you that Jordan is dealing with the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, She definitely has been, been diagnosed with anxiety. And ever since my mother-in-law passed away, she has fears about me and Paul passing Mm -hmm. away and Mm -hmm. Marissa does too. So how, how are you handling that? Like, how are you getting through that without it consuming everything that you do? um i don't know if i'm
1: handling it like i i think about it and i instantly start crying um i i just try not to worry too much about the future and things i can't control obviously it's going to happen to all of us it's going to happen hopefully much later rather than sooner um but i'm just trying to live in the moment i facetime my mom like three to four times a day she's coming over for dinner tonight. Like I, I visit as much as I can. Um, I try to spend as much time with them as I can and just live in the moment and take each day. I have no control over the future and I, I I need to realize that. Right. But it's just losing my grandmother. Like she was like the matriarch of her family, the glue that held everyone together. And she had such a significant role in our family and losing her. Everything has like, Kind of changed, and I just, and it just really
0: made me realize, like, life is so short. Right. I know um, some of the the major challenges with anxiety is is exactly what you said. You we focus on things we can't control, mm-hmm. and it monopolizes every waking minute to the point where we can't even enjoy our friends, our family, our homes, mm-hmm. our pets. Because we're always worried about what's going to happen if something happens. Like we can't, we can't live in the present because we're too worried about what could happen in the future. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I remember for, for me, um, it was a few years ago and I was, I was at the nail place and um, I was almost done with my nails, my Valentine's day nails. (laughs) And, um, I suddenly, I, I like felt dizzy, like lightheaded and Sophia was doing my nails and I was like, Sophia, I don't feel good. And she's like, what's the matter? I'm like, I feel like I'm going to pass out because I suddenly got hot. I felt dizzy and I knew my heart was racing and the lady next to me was a nurse. So she was checking my, no matter what they did, they could not, um, stop my, slow down my heart rate. Uh-huh. So I ended up um, they ended up calling an ambulance and I went to the hospital in the ambulance, oh, freaking gosh. the freak out. And I remember saying to the lady, I can't die. I have two kids. My husband is not going to know what to do. And she's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, if I'm having a heart attack, you know, she's like, honey, you didn't have a heart attack. I'm like, well, what is it? She's like, I don't know, but you didn't have a heart attack, but that's all I thought about was that I was having a heart attack and I wasn't going, going to make it. So we went to the hospital and they found absolutely, they kept me there for, they kept me there overnight, Saturday. I went, I came home Sunday, but they found nothing, nothing wrong. Mm -hmm. My, I did an EKG an echocardiogram, all these tests, x-rays, this, that, and, and that's how we kind of um, came to the realization that that was a panic attack. Uh-huh. but after that happened to me i was terrified of the next time it would happen uh-huh. and that i think that is what debilitated me uh-huh. um because i know within a week uh, and i don't think you weren't working there at that hotel yet but i was with jackie and within a week of that happening it happened again like i felt it coming on i felt my hand shaking and mm-hmm. I was like, Oh my God, how am I, how am I going to work? Like I, yeah. I couldn't even drive. Like it was, it was crazy. It mm-hmm. was just absolutely crazy and scary as hell. Mm-hmm. Scary as hell. So um, has that happened to you where you had like, you were out in public and you had a, like a full blown anxiety attack or panic attack? Um, uh... I know. You, I know you had some at work.
1: Yeah, I definitely had some at work, but, um, I get anxious. Like when I go to the grocery store, like I yeah. I sometimes feel a panic attack coming on, but like I said, distraction for me helps tremendously. I'll, I'll put on music, you know, I'll go up and down every single aisle, even if I don't have to just like keeping myself moving instead of like being like, Oh my God, I'm, I feel like coming, I'm having an anxiety attack. Like I just, I, I have to keep myself moving. So Can I do a question
0: mm-hmm? in the grocery store. What do you think triggered it? Because whenever I would go to ACME mm-hmm. in Mawa, I don't I don't know if I felt like I heard some kind of ringing or something and it instantly triggered it. So was it something For me, in the store? I think
1: it's the crowd, like a crowd yeah. of people. Like when they're like standing on top of you or standing near you and like you I feel like I have no space and I'm like getting claustrophobic. And I'm I don't really normally get like that. Like in an elevator I'm fine, small spaces, I'm fine, but like there's just something about a crowd of people. I, I don't know if I have like a fear of I'm gonna be trampled on or something, mm-hmm. but it's just it's like overwhelming. Like I, I almost wanna snap and be like, Please back up. Like I need okay. my space. But it 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 does happen more so in a grocery store than anything, but isn't Out that in weird?
0: Public? Yeah, yeah, it is. I think that's why I use Instacart so much. I got to the yeah. point where I could not handle the experience of being in the grocery store.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And yep. um and I didn't even realize it until I stopped going to the grocery store. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I was like, oh, well, that's good. You know, mm-hmm. maybe that I I I don't know what maybe it was the crowds. Who who the hell knows? I have no freaking idea. But I remember with you, you finally, we found, you found Dr. Taylor. Mm -hmm. So I don't even remember how the heck you found her, but I'm so glad you found her. Yeah. So my
1: my mom suffers from anxiety as well. It kind of runs in the family. And we had went to like a regular doctor's appointment um, because we both went to a doctor in town here that had retired. So we were trying to find a new doctor. So we went to an appointment and, you know, my mom said she has anxiety. um, And this doctor had recommended Dr. Taylor, I guess they're in the same network and they work together. Mm -hmm. Um, So I took my mom to her first appointment and I was like, I love her. Like, there's just something about her that she makes you feel so relaxed and at ease. You can really open up to her. And like I said, therapy for me was not, it was just not it. Like I couldn't open up to people. I didn't even know where to start in therapy, but with her, it's like, I, I, I know where to start. I know what to talk about. I know how to explain myself with her. And she just, she like reads into you and she, Mm I don't, she makes it easy.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, And then, so how did you, I know if you're okay talking about it. So how did you first handle when Dr. Taylor got your anxiety, uh, you know, when she figured out what it was and what did she recommend? Um,
1: well, I knew I always had it, so like it wasn't as much as a shock. I just I think I was more happy that someone finally said, Yes, you have anxiety. Um, that made me feel well, because a little bit You petty. know,
0: you know, I'm not crazy, okay, I know, know I'm not
1: crazy. <laughs> yeah, um, so yeah, she told me I had anxiety, and then she also told me I had bipolar, which I kind of had an idea, and mm-hmm. even my mom had an idea that I had it. I had a lot of the signs, mm-hmm. um, but she started me on medication several medications and I'm not on medication right now, but I was consistently up until right around the time I lost my grandmother. Mm -hmm. And did you feel like it helped? It did help. Um, I was on, I can never pronounce it, clonazepam and it helps with panic attacks. Like, Like when I felt one coming on, I would take one and it would kind of instantly calm me down. The other medication I struggled with, I I tried a lot of different medications um, just because I felt like it made me a zombie. I was always tired Mm -hmm. and I didn't want to leave the house even more so than I didn't want to already, if that makes sense. Um, So finding the right medicine is still a struggle for me. Um, And I think that's why I kind of took a break and I'm not on medication right now. I'm just kind of dealing with it, I guess, naturally, if you will. Um, like I've said, I, I keep myself busy. I have started to cook more. Um, that's definitely helped with it. Um, I, I know eventually I'll probably have to go back on medication, but I just, I think when feel, when I feel ready, I I'll do it.
0: Okay. Yeah. I remember, um, sometimes sitting with you in the, in the waiting room, (laughs) we would have like, back-to-back a point I would be there and you'd be there mm-hmm. and we would there's something about about Dr. Taylor she's amazing and uh-huh. um I think the craziest I hate to say that word but was that if if someone really had a hard time like you could be waiting in that waiting room for three hours because uh-huh. she was not going to rush anybody out no um, no gonna make sure that person was okay so we learned I learned to bring a lot of work with me yeah <laughs> um <laughs> because there were times that we would be there for hours, but she, there's something very calming about her. And I remember when we were doing the questionnaire and she was just trying to find out, you know, what was going on with me. And she's like, with everything that's gone on in your life, you don't think you have, you know, that you're suffering from some type of post-traumatic stress disorder. And I never, thought about it. I mm-hmm. never even gave it. Um, I don't know. I no, I never thought that I, I knew I dealt with a lot of crap, yeah. but, um, I remember leaving her office and even, even though she's not a therapist talking about those things that we were dealing with just made me feel better. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yep. There was just something about it. And I was like, Oh, it was like, she validated that there was definitely a challenge and it wasn't my fault and there was nothing i could really do to control it mm-hmm. you know and i miss her i need to call her <laughs> yeah um well cuz with everything with covid that was hard and and you know trying to schedule zoom calls and, mm-hmm. and just stay current and then i don't know just i think that's why i
1: stopped i kind of stopped because of covid and then i lost my grandmother and i went through like very dark period after I lost her probably like a month or two of just like straight depression, Mm -hmm. um, crying every single day. And I just, I need to get back into like my routine with her, but I definitely recommend her and I recommend seeing a psychiatrist.
0: And that's, you know, that's hard. At first I was like, I, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to tell people I'm going to see a psychiatrist because that, Mm -hmm. um, there's just that stigma that's created around it. But, but, you know, one of the most important things is your mental health. And it, and Mm -hmm. just because you have anxiety or some other mental health issue, doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you, but that's how our society has made people feel and it's made them believe that. Mm -hmm. And it sucks. It sucks. Mm -hmm. And I, for me, I, it's funny because I have no problem saying to people, well, I love my doctor and she has me on good medication and people are like, oh, you're on medication. Yeah, I'm on medication because mm-hmm. if I wasn't on medication, I'd probably end up divorced because <laughs> my husband and I fought like crazy because he didn't understand it. I did not have patience with my kids um, mm-hmm. and the stress of work and everything else. Um, so i I am a little nervous to go off of it. Did you go off just like cold Turkey or did you? Yeah.
1: Which I don't recommend. Obviously you have to get like doctor's approval and talk yeah. to them about it. Um, but I've been, honestly, that might even be like a thing of anxiety for me. Like, I feel like I could self-medicate. And when I start to feel better, I'm like, I don't need medication anymore. I don't want to put that stuff in my body. Um, but I, I would not recommend stopping cold Turkey. I would recommend like weaning yourself off of it and Maybe starting that route, um, but if if you need medication to like make yourself feel better, make yourself happy and more productive, then I like there should be nothing wrong with it. And right. it drives me pe- crazy when I hear people say like, "Oh, medication! Like you need medication to function." Like, yeah, I do. I really mm-hmm. do. And you, unless yeah. you're in our shoes, you don't understand. Like, I know DJ. He tries to understand, and like he'll be like, "Talk to me about it. How do you feel?" but you do not understand no matter how hard you try, you do not understand unless you're in our shoes.
0: Right. And I think that's the hardest thing, right? Like trying to get somebody to understand where you're coming from Mm -hmm. Um, because instantly the first reaction is, well, just think about something happy. Right. Right. No, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And so many people suffer from anxiety and Mm -hmm. there's so many different forms of anxiety. So mm-hmm. one thing we really haven't talked about, my dear, is mm-hmm. how you and I both, but you, as soon as we would hear that somebody was sick or somebody had this or somebody had that, we right away started <laughs> thinking we had. <laughs> we, we diagnosed ourselves. ourselves. Mm-hmm. We diagnosed ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'll never, i, I There were so many times and I'd be trying to talk you off the ledge and I'm like, well, who the hell is going to talk me off the ledge? Because (laughs) I was going through the same thing, but I always felt like I had to try to take care of everyone else. Mm -hmm. And I was dealing with the same thing. Yeah. And I don't I don't know if that still happens with you. um, Oh, yeah. It's that's that's tough. Like WebMD
1: is not my friend. Anytime I feel any type of ache, pain, headache, I diagnose myself. I call my mom and I'm like, I think I have this. And she's like, get off Google, get off Google. But at the same time, I also have like health anxiety. I refuse to go to a doctor, which is crazy because I've had heart problems. Mm -hmm. I've been to Dr. Taylor. Um, It also makes me kind of feel better when I Google something. And I'm like, I have a pain behind my ear and people have already asked this question hundreds of times. I'm like, I'm not the only one, Mm -hmm. like I'm, I'm not dying. You know, it's, it's more common than you think it could just be dehydration or, you know, you didn't sleep right. Like I'm not the only one that has that crazy pain, you know? Mm -hmm. So sometimes it does make me feel better, but at the same time, it it I I need to stay off Google. (laughs)
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it is a crazy, it's good and it's bad. And it's, it's, Jordan does the same thing. She'll be on Google or WebMD and find, and then she'll call me and she'll be like, do you think I should go to the hospital? I'm like, oh my God, she's just <laughs> like me because there were times in the middle of the night when my heart was racing or I couldn't sleep and I couldn't get these thoughts out of my head. I would drive myself to Valley Hospital and Paul sometimes wouldn't even know I was gone or I would say, hon, <laughs> I, 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 I have to, I'd have to go to the hospital and he'd be like, okay. See you later. Because he did not know how to process that. And whenever I did it, they would be like, there's nothing wrong with you. They would do the blood Mm -hmm. work and my heart was good and this was good and that was good and this was good. But they didn't even back then diagnose that it was anxiety or panic attacks, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And and I just, um, it's just a scary position to be in. When you mm-hmm. feel like that, because you yeah. feel like your world is truly coming to an end. Right. In a matter of seconds. In a matter of seconds. It, yeah. You could be fine. And then you're just like into this other, other place. And, mm-hmm. um, I know one of our, I don't want to say their name, but one of our friend, one of our friends had, um, had a blood clot and mm-hmm. we got off the phone and Paul looked at me and he said, don't even. Don't even start. I was like, "What?" He goes, "I know in the next couple of hours, you are going to say, "Oh my god, is this a blood clot?" And mm-hmm. and I did. And I couldn't I could not stop it. So I would if I felt like a pain in my leg or a pain in my arm, I automatically went there that I mm-hmm. had a blood clot and I needed to do something about it. Yeah. Um, and I I think that's one of the scariest things for me because It makes you, I, I I don't know. You can't control it. You just can't control it. So how, how have things been with you and DJ since you have not been on medication?
1: Um, I don't notice a difference. Like I, I feel like this pandemic brought us closer. Uh Um, I think it's definitely frustrating for him because like I've said, he doesn't understand it and he tries really hard to, which I appreciate. But like, like the zoning out, like we'll be eating dinner and something. I I don't even know what's on my mind and I'll just zone out. And he's like, come on, we're eating dinner, like get to it. And it's just, I think it's frustrating for him because he just doesn't understand. And I don't know how to explain it. Like even now talking to it it is, it's hard to get my thoughts together and to explain my symptoms because I don't even know what they are sometimes like, I just feel it. I feel the anxiety. It happens and I deal with it. Like it's, it's, it's hard, but I, no. I'm, we're pretty good. Like I do have my days where I'm like, I should not have stopped my medication. Um, <laughs> more so to do with the bipolar, but anxiety, I feel like I've gotten a grip on it. And I just feel like I understand myself better with, since the pandemic.
0: Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's yeah. good. Um, I'm trying to think. There was if there was anything. Is there anything else you can think of that we wanted to touch base on? I know we spoke yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, well, and I I know I know that you um, you sometimes have anxiety about other like you talked about. You know what could possibly happen in the future with Mm -hmm. your family. Um, Mm -hmm. and how do you think that has impacted that relationship with them? Um, I have not spoken about it with them.
1: I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to worry them and get them upset. I kind of hold that into myself. Um,
0: which can't really be that good right good for right you. it's
1: not the best thing to do but um no I, I haven't had that discussion with them I and mean, I probably should I'd probably feel better because my dad just, get it off my dad has such a calming way about him and he know he knows how to snap me out of my anxiety because he's mm-hmm. been there day one with it from mm-hmm. my anxiety my heart issues everything like he's right been there for me um so he'd probably be like Sam snap out of it like that's life it is what it is mm-hmm. you know but I, I haven't had that discussion with them. I've, I've kept it to myself. This is probably the first time I'm really talking about it. I've talked about it with Jordan. I know I have,
0: but um, I I haven't talked to them about it. Sometimes getting that stuff off your chest, just it's like a whole weight has been huh? lifted, but you know that, you know that. Right. I mm-hmm. was just curious because, you know, I know when I have that conversation with Jordan, it puts me into my own anxiety spiral because I'm like, oh, great. Now my kid's worried about me dying and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. So I know how that has affected me. Um, but at the same time, I'm glad that we just get it out there. She's not holding it in because I mm-hmm. There's time she can't sleep. She would tell me she'll be up all night because all mm-hmm. she can think about is me passing away. Mm-hmm. And um, before I saw Dr. Taylor, I would worry every night about Paul passing away. Mm-hmm. Every night I would check. I didn't sleep. I would check to make sure he was breathing. I would check to make sure he was okay. If he, if I hated his snoring, but my God, I love <laughs> snoring because I knew he was breathing. Right. I and said that to I, DJ the other night. Um, I think it was last
1: time. I'm like, why aren't you snoring? He's like, what is wrong with you? I'm like snore. Like that's what you do mm-hmm. every night it makes me feel good knowing, okay, he's snoring. He's sleeping. Now I can go to sleep. And last night he was not snoring. He was sleeping so soundly. And I'm like, stop, like you're, you're killing me. <laughs> I
0: le- I've i learned to sleep with a pillow over my head, over my ears so that I don't hear the snoring, but, or it's not as, it's not as loud, but yeah. um, it's, it's tough. And I don't want my kids to go through that and to feel like that. And I've debated, you know, Jordan has seen Dr. Taylor. Mm -hmm. you know, and trying to deal with it without, um, medication. But I, I don't, I don't know if it's something she'll be able to do long-term because Mm -hmm. I I look at her and I see so much of myself in her and I don't want her to struggle the way I did or the way you did, you know, like there's Mm -hmm. so much information out here now that, that we can use, um, to help better understand anxiety and, and handle it. That I, Mm -hmm. you know, she's 21. I don't want her finally coming to terms with this at 40 something like I did because that's, that's a lot of years of being unhappy and, Mm -hmm. and wasted time. So, um, well, anyway, I know that you and I will probably be back recording about (laughs) this um, because after I, after we get off of this call, I'm going to think about, um, a million questions that I wanted to ask you. And that's usually what happens. So,
1: um,
0: but thank you. I know it's hard to talk about and I appreciate mm-hmm. it. Which dog is barking? The puppy. The puppy. The puppy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I have to meet them. Um, I know, but thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you Thank okay. you for having me. I can't wait thank for the next <laughs> I know. I know. Thanks for listening to Invisible Scars. Bye. Never Alone Again, Domestic Violence Organization and Resource Center is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that was created in 1999 to offer empathetic support for victims of domestic abuse. Motivated by personal experience and the awareness of a need for a safe haven, NAG was developed. We are a nonprofit organization that is dedicated to providing high quality and individually tailored support services to victims and survivors of domestic violence, abuse, and families in need. www.neveraloneagain.org